0: Hello, and welcome to Down to Salis Cove, a collection of stories about Newfoundland and Labrador by the late Elle Emanuel and read by me, Anthony Berger. I'm the editor of my mother's writings about the history and rich culture of the places and people she knew and loved. Many of these stories she read on local and national radio in the 1940s to 1970s. Like many other writers, Ella Manuel made notes of odd phrases and strange words that she came across in her conversations around the island. Some have appeared in other episodes in this podcast series. Toe, arm, suant, larrigan, lunger, elsinores, all now clearly explained in the Magisterial Dictionary of Newfoundland English. However, even that wondrous linguistic resource does not list nightingale, which is a shawl to wrap around one's shoulders, cleti, which the dictionary defines as tangled, matted or knotted hair, but to an elderly Norris point lady meant wet, clinging in snow, or red devil, a mildly explosive device to clean soot from stovepipes. This story is called sparbles savaloys and scroopy boots i just heard an expression i'd forgotten scroopy boots i'm sure it's years since i heard anyone use it i must have been 10 years old when my mother got absolutely fed up with never knowing if was me or my grandpa walking overhead in our hotel so she brought me a pair of soft sole shoes for housewear thinking i'd never Hefty as I was, sound like a hundred and sixty pound man. And I didn't, but not for the reason she believed. Those shoes of mine squeaked and squeaked, and the longer I wore them, the scroopier they got. So my shoes just went on scrooping and squeaking till they fell apart. Of course, you couldn't tap soft-soled shoes with sparbles, those little nails or cleats that prevent slipping on an icy surface. Now, isn't that a word as good as scroopy? It brings to memory a whiskery old gentleman, his toothless mouth full of them, and the rate which sparbles traveled from mouth to hammer would beat a machine. I always waited with bated breath for the cobbler to swallow at least one sparble, and it was just another disappointment of childhood that he did not. When someone uses an unfamiliar word, it gives me pleasure, but absolutely no sense of communication. But that doesn't really matter, because some day I'll find out what it means, and until I do I can indulge in delighted speculations. Now one summer day I was fishing a river quite choked with tourists, and I said to my guide that perhaps I'd better come back in late August, when the river would be less crowded. Ye's my maid, he said to me, to be right civilized by then. I pretended I understood, but driving home, I was puzzled to think how he knew about those spicy little Savaloy sausages so common in England. Had some British tourist given him a bite? And whatever was he thinking to find a comparison with an empty river? And then I began to laugh, thinking how my friends would enjoy this one. So when I asked, don't you think it odd that he knew about Savaloy sausages? They laughed. You idiot! He said civilized! Which goes to show how careful you must be. Misplaced H's are too common to be a problem. I'm willing to wager, though, that nobody has a better example than mine of Farmer Earl, who kept hens around. Of him, someone once said, If twasn't a hopporation of an hen laying a heg, Mr. Hurl wouldn't be interested. And then there was Aunt Mabel from Trout River, who was talking about herringes. Well, "'How do you spell that?' I asked, not quite knowing whether they were fish or fruit. "'Why, sometimes I spells em in me harms, and sometimes in me apron. I'd forgotten that a spell in Newfoundland is a rest or a pause, and so I never did find out whether it was oranges or herring that she was talking about. And then there's the strange Newfoundland concept of nothingness, a very concrete concept, for there are degrees of nothing. Perhaps this idea is not special to Newfoundland— But in other places, I never came across this fascinating use of the void. A friend told me, I got nothing, but he got nothing at all. How can you have more than nothing? I have the haunting idea that there is an existential proposition buried here, but I'm not equipped to find it. Apparently, my friends can take it in their stride, never batting an eyelid when they say such things as, nothing? Why, I haven't even got the makings of nothing. Or the worst thing a man could have on his house is n'ar porch. I really got in a muddle with Hughie one day on the river. Give me a black fly, he asked. I looked at my tackle box and I said, I, I haven't one. He asked again. I said, I told you, I don't have one. He looked at my box, peered inside and said, Ha, you got n'ar one at all, why didn't you say so? One of our linguistic habits drives me up walls. Frustration settles on me like a cloud of mosquitoes when I'm told that somewhere is a nice piece off and it'll take a good spell to get there. How far is nice? How long is good? Reminds me of a question in a Scottish farming magazine years ago. A reader had asked, do geese fly across country? And if so, how far? The answer came back, yes, they do. The distance depends on how far they're going. For longer distances, of course, they start further back. On the other hand, nothing compares for sheer delight with our similes. Hughie once knew a man who ran so fast that his footprints went out in front of him. And once a little rail car came unhooked and ran backwards around the cliff, and someone exclaimed, Look, she's coming down in her bedroom slippers. I must say, she did look rather unbuttoned. And Mrs. Fowlow, on being told she'd be escorted to church by the Honorable Ed Roberts, said, Like the Northern Ranger tone a dory. Here are some other examples I've noted over the years. Of a clever boatsman, it was said, he could drive a motorboat bottom-up if he wanted to. And one woman in great annoyance said of her neighbor, He was a bitter man who could cut his throat with his tongue. Why, would go to hell for a pastime. In winter, Uncle Eli would say, It was so cold it froze me ears tight to me head. And if he was going to the outhouse, he'd say, I'm going to wring out me mitts. A man from my village went to the city nearby, and while walking down the street, he spied a man on the opposite side, whom he thought he knew. He waved, and the other man waved back. In a break in the traffic, he dashed across the street, rushed up to the man, saw his mistake and said, Oh, my, is queer? I tattoos you and you tattoos me and it didn't are one of us. And when a visiting archaeologist got mired in his jeep, some fishermen tried to extricate him. He threw up his hands in despair when one of them yelled, Go ahead, back up. And as one bystander commented, He done what they told him, but was right wrong these days words can be lethal weapons or spurious coin depending on your point of view when you examine everything with skepticism mainlanders might think ridiculous these turns of phrase made every day around me but to me they are charming and utterly breathtaking That was me, Anthony Berger, reading a story by the late El Emanuel from the podcast series Down to Sally's Cove. This was recorded in the studios of VOBB, The Voice of Bombay, community radio in the heart of Grosmoor National Park in western Newfoundland. Recording engineer and sound editor was Gary Wilton. Background music from Coffee in the Cove, written and played by David Berger. Together with a biography of my mother, these and other stories are available in book form entitled No Place for a Woman, The Life and Newfoundland Stories of Ella Emanuel, published in 2020 by Breakwater Books, St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador. Thanks for listening. That was the final episode in the podcast series Down to Sally's Cove as L. Emanuel herself said at the end of one of her broadcast series. And this, dear listeners, is the last of my tales. I hope that they have brought you the pleasure that I have had in the telling, and so may they linger long in your memories. Goodbye.